people try and hire unicorns. They think mm -hmm. the answer is to find people who can solve every problem. No, the answer is to find and build a team that is designed to solve a specific problem based on your expertise as the right way to get people there. You're listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, a series for entrepreneurs who want to escape the day-to-day -day grind while scaling their business to seven figures and beyond. And now, your hosts, Brianne Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. So Jill, you know how you didn't let me get away with episode one, The Scaling Menace? Oh, please, not this again. <laughs> well, I mean, there's no such thing as episode 10, right? So I, I can't make another terrible Star Wars reference. There's no such thing as episode seven, eight, or nine either. Let's just be honest. <laughs> Jill doesn't have opinions about the new Star Wars movies at all. None whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I figured that since there's no episode 10 for me to reference instead, I have a very special $10 word for this episode. You all can't see my face. It's very, like, the eyebrows are up. Dubious, I think is the right word. <laughs> dubious. Not quite a $10 word. I'll give you $9 for the word dubious. Uh, no, the, the $10 word actually came out of a conversation with some of our clients, which is portmanteau. And how exactly did that one come up? See, it, it all happened when I was trying to describe what it is that we do, and I came up with the word coach salting because it's like coaching and, and consulting. And so I was very excited because someone said that, that was a great word. And I, I had said, you know, it's a great portmanteau. And I used that word in a sentence and I thought it was great. But doesn't portmanteau also mean something like a, an old fashioned steamer trunk? Technically, probably, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but then the real reason that I'm talking about this portmanteau today is because then subsequently we got an email from someone who addressed their email to Bill, which I'm assuming <laughs> is a portmanteau of Brienne and Jill. Mm -hmm. But I'm not a big fan of being called Bill. It just doesn't really, that's no. my uncle's name. It's not my name. So no bills, please. Here to forth, I am declaring in the spirit of our friend's daughter who lives down the street, who we will give an anonymous shout out to. <laughs> Heretofore, we shall be known not as Team Brienne and Team Jill, but as Team Brill. What do you think? If we have to. <laughs> I like Team Brienne and Team Jill. It's a lot of fun to play with and to commiserate with all of my fellow Team Jillians about how Brienne hates the smell of coffee. Okay. So I feel like we're going to get hate mail if we go and talk too much more about how I cannot even stand the smell of coffee, whether you're on Team Jill or Team Brienne or on the newly formed Team Brill. Welcome to episode 10 of the Visionary CEO podcast, season one. <laughs> episode 10. Wow. Has it actually been 10? I think so. We covered off our entire system. And through the last nine episodes previous to this, we've been taking you through our entire framework for the Academy. Like these last six weeks, for example, these are literally the exercises that we do with our clients as they come through our cohort. And you can do them alongside. And that's part of how we, we were describing this all the way through. But there's one thing here that we haven't yet talked about. And it's the big piece that kind of underlies everything throughout the framework, but it's been the quiet standing along the sidelines piece. And that piece is 
how you're going to get in your own way. It's something that I think we don't like to talk about. You know, everyone says that there's information and then there's application. And that's true. You have to apply what you've learned in these last six episodes, in these last nine episodes, if you want to be able to see the benefit from it. But I think there's another level to application, which is that there's application and then there's application that doesn't allow you to get in your own way, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where like you can apply. I, I honestly, for me, I go back to the education background that we have and, and looking back at Bloom's taxonomy, like you can apply, but the next level up is, what is it, evaluate? Analyze, Analyze. evaluate, and create. Yeah, so analyze, right? So after you start being able to apply, you can actually analyze how you're applying that and adjust so that you do get out of your own way. And the best way that I've heard it described is that there's two different types of problems that you can run into in business. And I think the concept originates from Frank Kern. I originally heard it from Brooke Castillo. But essentially, the two types of problems that you can run into is there's math problems, and then there's drama problems. So true. And and so through this process, we've been talking a lot about what are essentially math problems, right? How do you enroll more people? How do you create space for more clients? How do you hire team members? All of those things are math problems. But to go along with those math problems, there's always a whole bunch of what are called drama problems that come up alongside. And Jill, since you're more of the coaching side of the coach sultant <laughs> equation, I would love for you to reflect a little bit of what you hear as the drama problems, both the ones that come up for folks as they're trying to do this on their own, but also to help people anticipate what the drama problems are that are going to come up after they have gone through this process and they're trying to roll it out in their business. I just want to reiterate here that we're not using drama in a negative sense. Essentially what we're saying is that there's the social aspect of how this all is interacted with and how you interact with your team and your clients and those kinds of things. That's what we're talking about with drama here. It's essentially the human side. And you know, if you were to talk to Brooke about this, she would say that the drama problems are all created between your ears because mm-hmm. that's where all human stuff originates is how I'm thinking about things. I create all kinds of problems because of how I'm thinking about them. Exactly. So what are some of these thoughts that people have that cause problems? Sometimes people are able to identify that there are thoughts in the first place and sometimes you don't actually hear them articulated until you reflect it back to them. So I'm going to give you a bit of both. So one thing that often comes up is I'm not going to be able to give up control over this. I've tried giving up control before. It didn't work. This is my thing. I'm the one that's being um, bought and paid for. Sounds completely wrong in this context, (laughs) but you get what I'm meaning. The client, Um, my clients only want to work with me. They don't want to work with other people, et cetera. Yeah. So that's one of them. Another one, for example, is that can see the work just piling up and what happens if it's not deployed properly? Yeah. So I've gone through all this process of figuring out how do I take my offer and make it scalable, but then I have to actually do the work to implement it and stuff could pile up, I could get distracted, something can happen, and I don't actually get to see the benefit of all this stuff I've realized that I need to do. Yeah, and in a similar vein, what I often see coming into coaching calls is people talking about all of the things that they have to do and are doing and watching them being pulled back into the weeds and reflecting back to them that we've been talking about how it bring you out of the weeds 
And in attempting to apply those techniques and apply the tools, you've actually gotten yourself back in the weeds because you went and spotted something, went, oh, I can fix that. Yeah. And I think when it comes to drama problems, there's also this I don't know how thing that comes up mm-hmm. for a lot of people, right? I don't know how to hire well. Mm-hmm. Because we're thinking it, it gets reinforced because it happens more and more often. Mm-hmm. I re- recalling one of our clients that had hired, tried to hire uh, four different leaders, OBMs, yeah. into her business and all four of them failed. Yeah, this is before she because came to of us, that, by the way. This is before she came to us, yes. <laughs> But because of that, she came in working with us, thinking and believing, like honestly, truly deep down believing that the role that she had been trying to hire for couldn't be hired for, that there was no one out there that could do it. Yeah, which wasn't true. And we ultimately had to get underneath that thought to be able to separate the drama, which was the belief that it can't happen, from the math, which is the logistics of how do you actually put this together? How much money do you need? What does the job posting look like? Those kind of detail things. And it's really important to recognize the difference between a math problem and a drama problem, because at the end of the day, the drama problems are the only ones that will prevent you from actually making forward progress in your business because it's the drama problems that prevent you from solving the math problems. Yeah, and math problems, honestly, they're easy to solve. The math is the math. That's absolute. We've given you the answer to the math problems, but what we can't necessarily give you in this format is the answer to the drama problems, but we're going to try. And that's what we're going to spend the rest of this episode talking about. And that's exactly it, because the answer to the drama problems isn't something mysterious. No. It's actually something really key, and it's something that most businesses will eventually develop on their own. It just takes time. Yeah. And so what is that mysterious thing? Ultimately, it comes down to leadership. And I think leadership is something that people talk a lot about in business, but they don't necessarily know what it looks like or what it means, other than this vague sense of like, I'm a leader, I'm not a manager, I'm doing this, that, or the other thing. I don't know that there's a clear conception of what leadership ought to look like when you're running an online business. So I'm just gonna harken back here to one of our very first, maybe it was the second or the third episode where we talked about the clarity around terminology and actually having really well-defined results and what we're expecting, what we're looking like. Here's a great example. What does leadership look like? There are so many answers out there, but for us, we're talking about really three specific types of leadership that we believe are needed to really become the visionary CEO of your business. Yeah, so the three types, are team leadership, client leadership, and self-leadership. Jill, which one of these do you want to dig into first? So let's start off with the the most common one, which is the team leadership. This is the one that most people think about when they think about leadership. What I find is that because when people are engaging with their teams, they haven't actually learned how to be the leader of their team, they easily slip into heavy-handed management because that's what we see modeled for us. On occasion, they will go to the other extreme and be completely hands-off and be surprised when all of a sudden things start falling through the cracks. Yeah, so when you're working with a client, Jill, and you're working on this team leadership side of things, what are you really looking for that shows that the person is stepping up and taking the appropriate kind of leadership to be the visionary CEO of their business. This is when we start going back to having those well-defined success measures, but not just having them, but 
working with your team member to accomplish them. And I'm not saying that the individual in question would be looking at like doing the work with the employee. We're not Mm -hmm. talking about that. We're talking about working with the employee to make sure, your contractor, to make sure that the things that are being accomplished are matching the result that you're asking for. What we often see is that people hear this idea of giving ownership to their team member and they think it's like a football, right? You just have the football and you pass it down the field and the team member catches it and (laughs) scores a touchdown. And very often this is what happens with our clients and they don't realize that it's a transition of ownership. Mm -hmm. That's what true leadership is. It's not giving someone an outcome and then hanging them out to dry. It's more like actually, if I'm gonna use the football analogy, It's more like you're passing the ball off to the running back, but your job as the leader is actually the person who's blocking the opposition and clearing them out of the way to open up the path for the person to run through. Uh, It's more like rugby (laughs) than football. Yeah, I was just going to say it's more like rugby. A really great example of this actually is a client that we have that's currently onboarding a contractor, contract to hire actually, that is looking to do copywriting. And part of the process is for the new contractor to sit with our visionary CEO and learn her voice. It's not enough just to hand her all of the materials and the content and the this and the that and learn it that way. It's also about being there to support and say, okay, you know, I looked at your pieces. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's how we can change it to make it more in my voice. Yeah. That's a collaborative process. Yeah, you use the word collaborative. I think before we've used the words like mentorship or coaching. Mm. Leadership is about looking at the people on your team and seeing how you can help facilitate their accomplishing their goals and the outcomes that you set for them without preventing them or getting in their way by doing stuff for them. Exactly, exactly. And then the second way of looking at leadership that we really like to to talk about is client leadership. And with this one's really interesting. And because for a lot of people coming out into entrepreneurship, we're coming out of either traditional business or we're starting off as a solopreneur. And we're used to thinking of ourselves as the business, as the one doing all of the work, as being in support of our clients. Yeah, my job is to make my clients happy. Even if yeah. you've never worked a traditional job, you are a product of our education system. And how does the education system work? Well, you're given tasks and your job is to do the tasks in a way that makes your teacher happy. And it's not that we don't want happy clients, but there comes a point at which if you want to really be the visionary CEO of your business, you have to recognize that it is in the client's best interest for me to use my expertise and more importantly for my team to use our collective expertise to tell the client that this is the best way to get the result rather than letting them dictate the terms of what that looks like. Yeah, exactly. And a really great way of uh, looking at this is asking yourself the question of, if they would have been able to do this for themselves, they would have already done it. Yeah. If they could have been able to do this for themselves, they already would have done it. They're coming to you right? because there is something that you can do that they can't. Exactly, right? Otherwise, you're becoming a hired gun. Yeah. And that's for many of, if you're wanting to become a visionary CEO, you can't be a hired gun at the same time. Yeah. You need to step into your authority and lead your clients through the experience, through the process, and become a trusted leader. 
brings to mind an example of some of the drama questions that come up for our clients, which is they do all this work, they come up with their structured way of working with clients, they've got their core offer, it's a very streamlined process, they know how it's going to work, they know how all the touch points are going to be. And they get nervous because they're like, what if no one wants this? What if someone wants this instead of that? I, I think we should have three options, or I think I should have this, that, or the other thing. And, and it's very common for people to want to undo all of the structure and clarity that they just put into place because they're afraid to lead their clients and to be able to say, hey, this is the way we work because this is how we know we get best results. And if you're not willing to follow along with our process, then we're simply not going to be able to help you get where you want to go. Yeah, exactly. And in a similar vein, actually, the other piece that comes up along these lines is the idea that all of my clients, they're everyone's so unique, so it's always going to be bespoke. Yeah. That's another drama problem. Nothing is ever so bespoke that you can't put a system or framework to it. Yeah, there's always an underlying framework or structure to how you approach certain problems, and that is your expertise. And when we're talking about client leadership, the other thing that comes in and why it's so important to take client leadership is that there is no way for your team to be able to step in if every client has a different experience. You can't give your team this completely open-ended scope and say whatever the client want goes and be able to be sure that you're going to get great client outcomes, that you're going to be able to get great client results. It's simply, I mean, this is why people try and hire unicorns, right? Because they think mm -hmm. that the answer is to find people who can solve every problem. No, the answer is to find and build a team and build a business that is designed to solve a specific problem based on your expertise as the right way to get people there. Yeah, exactly. So we've got team leadership and we've got client leadership. And I think that those cover off 80% of the obvious leadership drama problems that come up. But if you don't have this final 20% of leadership, nothing else matters. Because if you can't lead yourself, all bets are off. Yeah, absolutely. Self-leadership is key to being able to put into practice a visionary CEO business. Yeah. And all of the aspects and all of the dramas that you're having won't matter if you can't lead yourself. So give me some examples because I think it's really easy for us to let ourselves off the hook and maybe not be as good of a leader to ourselves as we should be. And I'm speaking, I'm speaking inclusively here, right? It's a mm -hmm. lesson that you never stop learning how to be a better self leader. So what are some examples that you see for our clients, for people who are at this stage in their business, where does self leadership most often trip them up? I wanna actually emphasize one almost umbrella piece that's going to come up in a lot of ways here because I think it's a really important way of looking at things and that's boundaries and it's really easy for us as humans to ignore our own boundaries and to set a boundary and then just move through it without recognizing it mm -hmm. and so here's a, here's a really great example being willing to make decisions mm -hmm. basically making a decision and setting a boundary that you are sticking with the decision you're not going to go back and second guess it Mm -hmm. You're not going to 
change your business model five or six times in three or four months. Yeah. Pointedly looking at someone. <laughs> hey, but again, that's a self-leadership lesson that I had to learn. I mm-hmm. had to learn to make a decision. And one of the most powerful things I ever learned about that came actually from ConvertKit and Nathan Berry, who wrote an article once talking about how they make a decision and then they set a do not reevaluate before date. Shiny object syndrome is usually just not making decisions or not mm-hmm. sticking with decisions that you have already made. And so a big part of this self-leadership is to allow decisions to stand. And then second to that, and I think even more relevant to the conversation that we're having now, is to be able, as you said, Jill, earlier, to let others make the decision, to be allowing others to have the control over the decision and to accept that the others will probably make different decisions than you are. Mm -hmm. Things might go wrong Mm -hmm. and it is not your job to jump in and save them. One of the very first things is to recognize that things are going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. that you are not going to ever have a particular point in your life where nothing will ever, quote unquote, go right. Because that's just not how life works. And here's the kicker with all of this, is that our best learning is done by making mistakes. Reminds me actually of my, my religious studies days and you know, I was studying Latin and the word for sin if you're you know, familiar with the Judeo-Christian tradition, sin being doing things wrong or having a condition of being wrong. And the original Latin word that gets translated as sin is errare, which means to err. And it literally means to wander off the path. So to be wrong, to make a mistake, is to wander off the path. But that's going to happen because I don't know about... You, Jill, but I don't see any roadmaps for exactly how to build a business step-by-step, foolproof, every step along the way. I mean, I've seen plenty of people promise that in Facebook ads, but the truth is that there is no blueprint. There is no guarantees. And the more you grow, and this, I think, is the challenge that I see come out of this, is that people assume that you have less problems as your business grows. And it's not that there are less problems. It's not that fewer things are broken. It's not that less things go wrong. It's simply that different things break and you're equipped to handle them differently. And that is why self-leadership is so important because you need that self-leadership to be able to work through the times when things aren't working the way you want. And so that's where you start is by accepting that things will go wrong, that you will wander off the path, but then also recognizing that means that you can wander back onto it too, or find a better path. And so what does it look like actually then to work through when things go wrong, especially when it's someone else's decision? And the very first thing is, as I said before, don't jump in and fix it for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've moved yourself up the visionary pyramid. Don't go right back down to the bottom to try and solve the problem. Yeah. Because then you're actually taking away the opportunity for your team member or your client to figure out how to fix it for themselves. Mm -hmm. And in essence, what you actually are doing then, if I can put it in this frame of mind for you or in this structure, is you have disempowered Mm -hmm. your team member or your client in their own journey 
about learning to be a leader for themselves. And so self-leadership, team leadership, and client leadership really do come together to be able to help you solve and move past all of these drama problems that you come up against. So at the start of this particular episode, we were mentioning or we were discussing about the underlying thing that we haven't been really pointing out as we went through these past nine weeks of Mm -hmm. conversations. And that thing was about getting in your own way. Yeah, getting in your own way. And I think it's really useful at this point, now that we talked about the leadership, we talked about team leadership and client leadership and self-leadership, to really go back and look at the process that we've talked about and talk about how leadership comes into play into each of them. So, you know, you go all the way back to the first few episodes and we were talking about the idea that you are the bottleneck, of recognizing that you're the bottleneck and to recognizing that scaling your business isn't about sales and marketing alone and it's not even about having the right business model, but it's about being able to get your results and your profit and your team all aligned with each other And that is something that you have to step into your leadership to be able to do. Yeah, exactly. And then after that, we started talking about your offer Mm -hmm. and what aspects you were doing currently and how to evaluate their value to your clients and to your business. And what an opportunity that is to step into both team leadership and client leadership. To be able to say, this is the process, this is the outcome, this is what we are offering, and we are going to lead you and demonstrate that leadership through this process. It's really a chance for you to really start looking at what does it look like to step into my authority and mm-hmm. to be a leader in that aspect, exactly. And and from there, we talked about changing the way you deliver. Again, opportunities for you to demonstrate leadership, to step in, to be able to say, this is a better way to do it. And then to involve your team. And we talked a lot about mm-hmm. the idea of the billion dollar team and how you structure that team. But it doesn't matter how you structure the team if you're not going to be there to be a part of that team's journey and to lead them to where you want to go. Yeah. And to give them the opportunity to grow, not just, you're not just growing your business, you're giving your team the opportunity to grow alongside the business and to support its growth, the business's growth with their own growth at the same time. Yeah. And that leads into the visionary pyramid that we talked about, right? The idea Mm -hmm. that you can develop someone from being a helper to being an implementer. You can develop implementers to become managers. You can develop managers to become leaders. We have done this with all of our clients. Well, they're all at various stages in the process, but this is the process of being able to develop your team to be able to build that team leadership and at the same time to build the self-leadership that allows you to move up the pyramid and not slide back down. I'll be honest, there may be a situation where you go and you think and one of your team members thinks that they're ready to move up to the next level and they're not. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. That's another opportunity for you to demonstrate leadership. How do you handle that when that comes up? So it's team leadership, it's client leadership, it's self-leadership all the way through this journey, the real journey of becoming a visionary CEO is stepping into these different levels of leadership 
and doing it while you get your business scalable, while you get your profit system in, in check, while you get your result structure working, while you get your team aligned, and while you get your operations, your culture, and your model set up to scale as well. Yeah, exactly. And in doing so, that's when you can step back and elevate yourself into actually being the visionary CEO. And so, you know, I know that at the end of every episode, we tell you about the Visionary CEO Academy and the program that we run. But if you've been listening along with this process and you've, whether you've been doing it along with us or been listening and just saying, this sounds really interesting, I want to invite you to consider whether or not you want Jill and I to really walk alongside you through that journey, to have us lead you as our clients through this journey so that you're not just doing the tactical steps, you're not just doing the actions, but you're actually developing the leadership that you need to be able to be the visionary CEO of your business. All right. All right, Jill. I think we made it. I think we did. I think think that's the end of season one. I think that's a wrap. Wow. (laughs) So So we're actually going to be taking a brief break before season two. But don't delete us, though, from your podcast app because we have a ton more to share with you. Yeah. Next season, I really want to be digging more into this question of leadership, of team, of really showing up for your business, for your clients in the way that's going to take you and your business to the next level. And I can't wait to be able to get back in the quote unquote recording studio, AKA my office and Jill's office and be able to (laughs) record more episodes for you about that. But until then, do take those steps into your self-leadership and don't be afraid to reach out for help. Yeah, if we can support you in the Academy, we'd love to have you. You can drop us a DM on Instagram or on Facebook. You can send us an email through our website. However that looks for you, we'd love to hear from you. And then next time, We'll see you for season two, episode one of the Visionary CEO Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, hosted and produced by Brian Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. For more information about anything you've heard on the show, visit us on the web at visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast. You can keep the conversation going on social media too. Just use the hashtag Visionary CEO Podcast. This has been a Podcast Taxi radio production for the Visionary CEO Academy. Hey, it's Brianne here. I just wanted to let you know that everything we're talking about in today's episode is part of what we do with clients at the Visionary CEO Academy. We've got a great program for strategists, coaches, and other online business owners that helps you scale from low or mid six figures to seven figures and beyond quickly, sustainably, and profitably. But most importantly, while keeping your values and your vision front and center. So whenever you're ready, just head on over to visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast for more info and to get started.